It's Angela Yee, and I'm telling you right now that the Alive Podcast Network app is the best directory of podcasts created for us by us. From relationships to making money moves, there's a show that'll captivate every listener. And for my fellow Black creatives, this is a call to action to take your brand and monetization to the next level. It's for the culture. Join the movement and sign up today. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com, coming soon to iOS and Android. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. The devil is a lie. Here's your host, Angel Nicole. The devil is a lie. A lot of people get the message confused. When they hear the reference, the tongue has the power of life and death. It's really the words that you speak that has the power to either breathe life or spit venom. Telling y'all what I know for sure. Motherfuckers out here gonna tell you what they think. And I'm gonna tell y'all what I know. You your own healer. You always have been, and you always will be. So learn yourself, cause can't nobody heal you like you. You keep running around this motherfucker looking for your healer, ducking yourself. Learn yourself, cause can't nobody heal you like you. Nobody. That was the voice of today's guest, Queen Ajna Sarah, the divine energy that spiritually guides Reagan Gilmore, a beautiful soul and charismatic survivor of the traumas of sexual, mental, physical, and spiritual abuse. Queen Ajna is the founder of The Healing Place, where she helps individuals heal themselves through her guided teachings. I'm so excited to have her join us today as we explore key elements to manifesting the life you want after trauma, deception, and losses. Welcome to the show, Queen. Hello, 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 Goddess Angel. You look divine. Energy (laughs) always. Good frequencies. This is such a feel-good space. It's my honor to be here. Thank you so much. Now, I have a million and one questions. I'm a huge fan of yours. From the moment that I first met you last year, maybe two years ago now, um, when we were recording on another podcast, your energy is just amazing. And even watching you on social, it's just like you have this divine connection to your audience. So you're so anointed. And I'm just so grateful to have the opportunity to have this conversation with you. Thank you so kindly. Thank you so much. All right. So I don't want to confuse our audience because during the introduction, I named two names. Yeah. (laughs) Can you explain the healing process of Reagan, your born name, to the culmination of Queen Ajna? Absolutely, Queen. So I was given the name Queen Ajna or Ajna Imun Sarah during a spiritual evolutionary process. And I was renamed. My given name is Reagan Gilmore. That's the name that a friend of the family, a wealthy benefactor, asked my mom if she could name me. And my mother was struggling significantly and she allowed her to name me. And my grandmother was not a very nice person and she ended up running the lady off. It's a very interesting story. That's how I got the name Reagan Gilmore. So you've always had spiritual guides then? 
in, in one way or another, but even though the lady, um, you know, introduced herself to my mother, they have, were familiar through a church atmosphere. And she saw that my mother was struggling with my eldest sister at the time and told my mother, if you would allow me to name your daughter, you will not know a financial care. Uh-huh. And that's my mother agreed. And that's how I got the name Reagan. But then my biological grandmother grew envious of the relationship and said, if she's not going to do it for both of the children, then she can't do it for nobody and ran her off. So even though wow. like I've always had a guide, I've always also been faced with significant opposition during the process. I mean, from birth. Literally. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> so when we talk about this opposition, what are some of the things that you have endured trauma-wise? Because I, I think it's so empowering that you're able to openly share the wounds that you have healed, but also allow people to see that, hey, like I've been through this and look at me now. I didn't just arrive here. I've Mm -hmm. gone through some things that has made me stronger and gives me the strength to empower others to not look to anybody else to seek healing, but look within to figure out what it is that you need. Absolutely. And you know what? It's not necessarily where people position themselves not to receive assistance. Mm -hmm. I just want people to know that there is no power greater than you. Like anything, no matter what your religion or your spiritual practices or anything is concerned, none of it works unless you believe. Mm -hmm. So I encourage people to believe in yourself first and then grow these healthy connections to things that empower you to believe in you. So that's where the healing is. And some people say like, you know, well, what about my pastor? What about my religion? Well, whatever helps you manifest the best version of yourself, do that and do it unapologetically, but realize that you still have to do it. So if church helps you, you still got to go to church. You know, you still have to do things. You still have to read the word. You still have to practice and implement these things into your everyday lifestyle to siphon the greatness from it and to surface the spectacular reality of who you are and who you are yet to become. So some of the things that I've survived, I've survived, my life has kind of been like a lemony snickets, you know, lemony snickets. I remember. (laughs) Like the chain of unfortunate events, you know, it's, I, I, I love the reality that that is a great description of my life. However, I accept it because it also is directly correlated to the destiny and the mission and the anointing and the accomplishment. So like starting out early, I was sexually molested from the age of five to 13 earlier was it somebody like that you knew the family knew or was it just it was the first person to ever sexually molest me was a relative I don't call them family I had to learn the difference between my relatives and my family and I really feel like DNA makes you related those are your relatives but your family is where the loyalty and the love is found and I have DNA in common with a lot of people that are not necessarily connected or committed to me by way of love and loyalty. Right. Some of the deepest betrayals that I've experienced on many levels have been from people that I've shared DNA with, i.e. the first sexual molestation that I've ever experienced at five years old was from a relative that my mother trusted to babysit me while she was gone. And then, you know, my mom, I love my mommy. You know, I, I'm, I'm an amalgam of her in my own ways, um, her greatest strengths. 
I look in the mirror and I see a reflection of my mother that brings out the best in me, even if she doesn't see it at times. Mm -hmm. But my mother was an alcoholic for many years. And then she stopped drinking cold turkey and she's traded alcoholic for apostolic. (laughs) Seriously. Like it was like, (laughs) she traded alcohol for Jesus. You understand me? Quit dancing in a hurry. (laughs) Cold turkey. Like for real. Like, you know how that sound? I went to a meeting one night and my heart wasn't right. Something got a hold of me. Like right. that, that happened to my mother and she put alcohol down cold turkey, but she picked up religion and it helped and it hurt simultaneously. How, how did it hurt? It hurt because, um, she forgot herself and she gave all the credit to Jesus as if Jesus didn't empower her to empower herself. So she kind of got lost in the cult like manifestation that religion can become when you are not grounded within yourself. Mm-hmm. So it was like, she really traded one addiction for the, for another. So, you know, we were, it was every day. We didn't have an identity outside of religion. And even though we were going to church and activated in that atmosphere so much, I still experienced some of the most detriment under that umbrella too. So it was like a vast dichotomy of, hurting, helping at the same time, hurting and helping, hurting and helping, hurting and helping. And then it got to a point where it did more hurting than helping. And that's when I decided to explore outside of the confines of certain religious practices. And I began to explore and learn different things, but which is the reason why now I have no religion. I don't fault anybody for anything that they believe. I believe whatever makes you the best version of yourself, commit to it, do it. You know, if it's Christianity, stay at the foot of the cross and don't you move, let nothing move you. Let nothing move you. But I I just took different journeys. You know, I've studied everything from different branches of Christianity, from like, you know, Church of God in Christ. I grew up Pentecostal apostolic. I studied different measures of being Baptist or Presbyterian, Episcopal. Um, Then I ventured into Islam. I studied some of the Baha'i faith. I just started studying things and learning things Mm -hmm. because it was a part of me that just really needed to know. And, and I mean, when I say I studied, I went out and I just began to explore from Ita, Santeria, Palo, Miambe. Like, I just started to study and seeing, like, mm-hmm. what is the taboo of it all? And what I found out, Queen, is everybody got a different God but the same devil. And it mm. blew me away. <laughs> like, the gods are different, but the devil be the same. So, like, what's the common denominator? That was, like, a literally a whole word. Yeah. And that's why I don't really I don't I don't mind who believes what as long as it makes you an integral, rooted, you know, grounded, honest, giving, loving, generous person that protects yourself first. Anything Mm -hmm. that teaches you that you got to come second in your own life is a problem. That's where the Mm -hmm. breach happens. So being sexually molested from the age of five to 13 was a significant traumatic experience and it started with one person but a lot of people did a lot of different things to me a lot it was like after it was like he opened up that door spiritually where all of the lascivious you know lower vibrational energies could walk in Mm. you know not having a dad my dad was a substance abuser you know and he dealt with every trauma that could come along with substance abuse being you know, addicted to um, narcotics. Mm -hmm. So with my mother, you know, trading alcoholic for apostolic and that was her life. We went Monday was young people. Tuesday was Bible study. Wednesday was choir rehearsal. Thursday was prayer. You know, Fridays 
we would, you know, sometimes do church lock-ins, all night prayer every other Friday. On Saturday, we may have went bowling with some people from the church. And then we got ready mm-hmm. to go back to church on Sunday for two services. And then Monday was young people and Tuesday was Bible study. And this was our life. For many, many, many years. So that's what I mean, like the cult-like environment. Now, did you feel comfortable, like you had somebody to talk to about those lower vibrations that were entering into your space? No. There was the first person that I ever confided in about being molested, molested me too. And I can, I can, I can smell, I can smell the musk. I can, I can smell the room from that day. Like, like, you know, trauma and, and smell and memory all are intertwined and braided in together. And I remember, I remember her saying, they touched you right here. So men and women did things to me. It's, it can give you a distorted view of even sexual pleasures when the first sexual experiences that you had were introduced to you through trauma and violation. Right. So you go through an era of, a different type of promiscuity. Some men and women, you know, that have different sexual traumas, they go through a whole phase. Well, I never necessarily had a whole phase, but I lived a different type of life. Mm. You know, I, I was very, very sexually advanced in ways that I probably wouldn't have been if I wasn't introduced to certain things under certain conditions. So right. I've always been very peculiar about who could get it, but if you could get it, you could get the whole thing. <laughs> So, you know, like, but but those are the stages and then not having a father growing up. So, you know, um, always desiring a certain measure of protection and then growing up in poverty. And so, you know, wanting to live a certain type of life and then wanting a certain type of protection. Ding, ding, ding. That's the dope boy era. Mm -hmm. So, you know, go find you a killer that care about you. (laughs) And that ended up getting me kidnapped. I was kidnapped at the age of 17, girl. It was a mess. It take for my mother to talk about that foolishness. It take, it take for my mom to talk about it. But like, you know, burying my first child, you know, at almost 18 years old, just a few months shy of 18 years old, burying my first child. It's just a lot of, a lot of crazy stuff. When we were younger, my mother worked like a crazy lady. And this is what I mean by the dichotomy of religion. My mother always worked. I mean, she worked 16 hour shifts multiple times a week, but every dime that she got over went to the church, went to the church. So we still lived in extreme poverty because Mm -hmm. she felt like she owed it to Jesus, even to our own detriment in the home. Mm -hmm. I mean, like literally the, the light bill is due. It's on disconnect, but she ties it. So we're in the dark. And then says, Jesus will make a way. Jesus will make and th- that that extremeness of, yeah. you know, and, and who knows? Because, you know, everybody's got a story to tell. And, you know, there are certain things that my mother just had this great appreciation for no longer being an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So that's the way that she expressed herself. And that's what happens when you're not in an environment where people are teaching you how to take care of yourself mm-hmm. and still stay appreciative to the individual's who assist you on your journey, then you can become an overgiver and leave yourself out. And that's the reason why I do some of the things that I do, excuse me, within the Healing Place Dynasty, to remind people the importance of taking care of yourself. Yes, show your appreciation, but not to your detriment. Right. You know, and nobody's taught us these things. Right. 
So did you ever feel like you had a phase of an abandonment? Because oh, significantly. all this time, like it seems like you were in isolation, no matter how many people you were surrounded by. Well, I was always by myself in one way or another. And still, I still spend and invest a lot of time alone. Mm-hmm. And I've done that because every time that I seem to trust somebody, I always ended up needing protection from those who were supposed to protect me. So I just felt safer alone which is a trauma response. So you created the healing place. How did you create your own healing place? Well, the more that I explored, the more that I learned, I would practice these things on myself. And then when I would see that it would work, I would share it with other people. And I've always been a confidant amongst my peers. Mm -hmm. So like, Even when I was a young girl, people would confide in me. Um, And as I grew older, I was always either the voice of reason or the confidant. So for whatever, for whatever reason, people have always trusted me with their rawest forms of self. Mm -hmm. So as I began to explore things that worked and to help you get in better connection with you, heal yourself, feel better about you, attain a better level of stability within the life that you lead, I would share those things. When people would confide in me, I would say, well, okay, you know, have you ever thought of this? Well, I tried this. It worked. You you might want to give this a try. And then they would try it and it would work and they would come back to me and they would tell me. And then they would send other people my way. Well, what were some of those things you would share? Like what, what would be something that you would, you know, provide them information wise? Most of the time when we're distorted in our life, when we're not at peace, when we are activated in addictions or in places of turmoil that we created for ourselves, either we're giving away too much information or we're not being honest with ourselves or both. So I would give people a safe place to be honest Mm -hmm. and then give them a reflection of themselves outside of the trauma that is convincing them that they are not worthy of taking the steps to get better. And then I would give them steps to consider taking to get better, whether it be a meditation that works or whether it be a journaling activity, whether it be a book to read, whether it be just sessions and conversations of reflecting and admiration and affirmation unto themselves. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes people don't have a non-biased third party to talk to that can relate to their pain without judging them. And that's what I do in the Healing Place Dynasty. That's one of the things that we do. We don't judge, we just love. And what I realize is you can't love people and judge them at the same time. So when you step into my arena, it's the no judgment zone. And then that gives you permission to be honest. And then once you're being honest, we can get you some help, no matter where you're at. It's kind of like the GPS queen. Mm -hmm. If you're lying about your location, But you're mad that the GPS is not picking you up, whether it's Lyft or whatever, saying you Lyft or Uber. Right. And you like you call Lyft and you like you like here's and this is a lot of us in our everyday life. We talk to God like you said you was going to help me out of this. God, you promised you that you you promised you would never leave me nor forsake me. I'm all by myself. You said you was going to help me out of this. But then you're not honest about where you are. So that's like telling the Uber you calling the Uber and you cussing the Uber out. You cussing Lyft out. Why y'all not here? And they say, well, ma'am, where are you? And then you give them a false location. So what I allow, they can't find you. So what I allow people to do is feel safe enough to get honest about where they are, be secure enough 
to inspire them to create where they want to be, to decide their destination. And then I give them tools to direct them on how to get there. And even though I don't tell them to do exactly what I did, I've lived through enough turmoil where I can say, okay, if you want to get to this destination, I can tell you that you don't want to go here, here, or here. For sure. I know you don't want to go there. So I see that you got that that as an option. I would recommend you consider crossing that out the list because it's not behind door number two, it's not behind door number three, and it's not behind door number five. Okay? Right. So we still got door number one, number four, number seven, number eight, number nine, we got number six. We still got options, but I'm telling you, no, this, this ain't where that this ain't right it. here, you don't want to do this. <laughs> right. You guys are tuned in to The Devil Is A Lie. Our guest is Queen Ajna, founder of The Healing Place. The Devil Is A Lie. I want to move us into, we've talked a lot about your trauma. We've talked about how you've healed yourself. I'm still so, healing though. Like it, oh, healing is a, I think we all are. Yeah, like it never stops. Never ends. And exactly. that's what I want people to say. Like people are like, well, when am I going to be healed? You're healed when you decide to feel better about what's happening to you. And once you feel better, you do different. Exactly. But even in that arena, new levels, new devils. So you might be healed at a level five. And then all of a sudden you at a level seven and life done knocked you on your tail all over again. And that's okay. And you don't have to feel like you don't belong at a level seven because you didn't struggle at a level five anymore. Just acknowledge that you're at a level seven and call in your resources mm-hmm. and be a resource to yourself. One of the greatest things, if it doesn't benefit you, don't tell nobody your business. A, a lot of us, even me, I've been guilty. Like a lot of the worst things that have happened to me have happened because I gave too much information away to the undeserving and the unworthy. And too soon. And to, that part. <laughs> That premature, that premature, it's a reason that seeds are buried, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's okay. It's okay to be quiet. And many of us think like being quiet is directly correlated with shame. No, being quiet is oftentimes correlated with protection. And when it's precious, you got to protect it. There is power in privacy. And I had to learn that the hard way. I got the scars to prove it all on my heart, on my back, on my neck. (laughs) All around. Yes, ma'am. So now we're going to move into... Your devil is a lie moment. All right. Now, your devil is a lie moment is a place in time that you did not think you were going to make it out of a particular situation. So I would like to know what that situation was, how you made it out of it, and what was waiting for you on the other side. My devil is a lie moment happened to me um, after experiencing some extreme stalking and harassment. And then it really ushered me into a place of some significant imposter syndrome. And I began to feel like if somebody can tell these vicious lies on me and attack me from all of these angles and take all of my help and try to hurt me with it, then maybe I'm not who God said I am. Because if I was, this wouldn't be happening to me. And so I just had to talk to somebody outside of myself because the voice in my head had became so pessimistic and negative that I really couldn't hear or see me clearly anymore. And that's one thing that I recommend for people. Nobody is ever too big to talk to a non-biased third party about what you're feeling and what you're dealing with. So that was one of the major things that I began to do to make some significant adjustments. And then I created a routine for myself. 
that I activated in every day. You got to honor yourself. If your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, how are you worshiping? What are you doing for yourself every single day? And there might come a time where you don't do it as much on this day as you do on another day, but you can't let a day go by where you allow yourself to forget who you are because success has enemies. And if you have a very powerful destiny, then you will attract very powerful enemies. And some enemies won't even be that powerful. But if you're not aware of who you are, you will make the molehill a mountain and it will be your own fault. And oftentimes many of us are designed these mountains just to show the world that they can be removed. But when you don't know you and you are dealing with some imposters syndrome and imposter syndrome is literally when you forget who you are, when you reach a certain level of success and then life challenges you and you forget everything that made you who you are and you start second guessing if you belong where you be. So talk to somebody and talk to somebody often to help you reflect positively upon yourself. And that is one of the greatest ways to truly get over the hump when you are attacked, when you are lied on, when you are challenged, when you are becoming a weapon against yourself because you don't know you anymore, you really need to consider talking to somebody outside of you and allowing them to be a mirror for you in all honesty. And that is one of the greatest ways to get some ground under your feet when you feel like you are on sinking sands. That was amazing. That was a lot. That was a whole ministry. <laughs> so what happened on the other side though for you? I'm still getting to the other side. I am in the process right now. I'm still getting to the other side. But I feel better than I've ever felt. I feel stronger than I've ever felt. I feel more wise and aware. I feel more patient. I have appreciation for things that I disregarded for so much because they were stricken and stolen from me so often in my youth, like privacy. Mm -hmm. I never had much privacy growing up. So I never had a genuine appreciation for my privacy because at such an early age in my life, people were all in my privates. You know, so it's teaching me that I am worthy of the things that were stripped from me earlier. And that's what will happen to you. Go back into your youth. Please consider doing some inner child healing. Please consider indulging in a thing called shadow work. Many people talk about it now. I know it's trending, but if you indulge in it, you will see how real it is. And it ain't just you welcoming the messed up parts of yourself and saying, well, oh, this is me. And you know, I got a darkness and people have to appreciate it. No, it's the process of dissecting your darkness and seeing why it has been planted in you. And then knowing when to implement the necessary amount of darkness to develop your greatest light. And if you are not using shadow work in that way, then not only are you betraying yourself, but you are activated in hypocrisy and you may be even viewed as an imbecile amongst your peers because you're pretending to be something that you're not because you think you know things that you don't have a clue about. Can you explain shadow work for those who may be listening that have no clue? I'm activated in a nine week shadow working course now that I'm actually reliving. So I went back and that's what I mean by go back, go in and dissect yourself, see what happened, see where the breach originally occurred. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's kind of like, you know, 
when when the enemy knows your destiny, it'll attack you early. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. privacy is one of the major ways to protect yourself. And as I evolved in my status and I continue to secure my successes and prosperity, abundance and good health flow upon me and shower upon me. Privacy will be my only saving grace at this level in my life. So the enemy attacked my privates earlier so that I had no appreciation for my protection later on in life. Only for creator to take me all the way back full circle and say, now, you know, the value, protect yourself, love yourself, heal yourself. And that's something that shadow work will do. It will take you back to the origin of the breach of communication and value of yourself. It will take you all the way to the root of when you first betrayed yourself and you develop this beast that you created to keep you safe that is now devouring you. So that that's the version of shadow work. So at this stage in your life, mm-hmm. you're still healing. You're still growing. You're sharing um, all of who you are with some level of privacy. Learning that um, the hard to- way, queen. <laughs> the hard way, queen. <laughs> To heal others, right? What would you, in this space, in this time, tell five-year-old Reagan? You're going to be okay. And all things work together for your greatest, highest good, and you will understand it later by and by. That you're going to be okay, baby. And that's what I tell her now. When I hug myself and hold myself and remind myself, you're going to be okay. And that you're worthy of protection. And just because nobody, nobody stepped up to protect you when you needed protection the most, that did not make you unworthy of protection. And the people around you didn't even know how to protect themselves. So you don't have to be mad that they didn't protect you. Just take care of yourself and everything going to be okay. That's what I would tell him. That you're going to be all right. Because so many times we didn't know. I thought I would die young. I never even thought that I would live into my 30s, queen. I thought I would die really young all the time. So the fact that, you know, here we are (laughs) is a big deal. It's a blessing. So last thing, what tip would you provide to our listeners who may be enduring one of those stages, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's dealing with deception, uh, dealing with feeling loneliness, uh, molestation, all of those different possible phases that people may be in, dealing with loss, especially mm-hmm. right now. What would be your tip to help them maneuver through that process? I would love for them to give themselves permission to get to know themselves and give themselves the love that they keep begging other people to take from them because they don't feel worthy of it. Instead of begging somebody else to take it from you, gift it to yourself. And that's what many of us struggle with because we know that the love that we do have is valuable. We don't find ourselves of enough esteem and credibility and acceptance to take it from ourselves. So we navigate through this life begging other people to take it from us so that it doesn't go to waste. And I would just encourage people to gift it to yourself. And if you feel lonely, while you're alone, that's because you're not being good company to yourself. But because you are getting to know yourself in unfamiliar atmospheres, you will train yourself to not be lonely. And you will go from wanting people in your space 
to now evaluating if people even deserve your company. And it just takes time. And be patient with yourself, and you're going to make mistakes. Forgive yourself fast, please, I beseech you. You got to be quicker about forgiving yourself. Because the longer that it takes for you to forgive yourself, the more mistakes you will make. And that is directly correlated to self-sabotage, amongst other things. So I encourage you to forgive yourself faster. And if you don't know how to forgive yourself, well, stop doing the things that you need to forgive yourself of. And once you commit to stopping those things, then you are worthy of your own forgiveness. And if you've done some things that are so much of a detriment to yourself that you can't forgive you, ask yourself genuinely, would you ever do it again? And if the answer is no, then you may have to grant yourself a pardon. Like, like the judge. The judge may tell you, hey, you are guilty of this. But I see your remorse and I see your circumstance. So I'm going to grant you a pardon under these conditions and then abide by the conditions of the pardon. So if the conditions of the pardon is you don't go there no more, you don't say that no more, you don't do that no more, abide by the conditions of the pardon and move on with your beautiful life. I love it. Now, if you have enjoyed this conversation that I have been having with Queen Ajna, you can listen to her all the time because she does lives on Instagram all the time, which I hate that I've been missing them lately. I'm always catching them on the replay. But what is your social media information so people can stay connected to you? Absolutely. So you can reach me at underscore underscore AJNA on Instagram. You can also reach us at the Healing Place Dynasty on Instagram. You can reach me at Ajna Sarah on Facebook. You can reach me at The Real Queen Ajna Sarah on TikTok. Um, I think I have a Twitter and a YouTube, but I'm not sure um, of those <laughs> names. But yeah, or you can reach me at um, ajnashealingplace.com. And if you just need somebody to talk to that's not going to judge you, that may have some suggestions for you to consider following, and you would like some one-on-one time with me, consider booking a session. And before we go... I definitely want to shout out the amazing jewelry and <laughs> protective wear that yes. um, Queen Ajna creates and makes available on her website. Oh, yeah. So I do. I do. I created an entire uh, protective jewelry line, spiritual protective jewelry line, because, you know, symbols and signs are for the conscious minds and symbolism does mean something. So I encourage people to do study what certain things mean before you engage in certain practices. Well, this has been so fun. I've enjoyed it. I'm sure our listeners have enjoyed it. And I'm going to speak this into you because I don't know if you remember, but I think we were on live one night and I think I had logged in and you saw me and you were like, yo, I'm going to come on your podcast. Now, this is before the podcast even was a thought. (laughs) I was like, what is she talking about? And so, like, I mean, this is what I do. But I always remembered that and was just like, you know, sometimes God speaks to us through others. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that's what you were doing in that. I told you, I said, you do it for everybody else. Do it for you. I'm coming on your podcast. You be leveling everybody else up behind the scenes. Get you some of yourself. I'm coming on your podcast. And look at the master manifestors we are. I'm on your podcast. (laughs) We be doing 
doing that. Yes. All right. So for everybody at home, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you have enjoyed. And may I tell these people what I tell all my people? Yes. If nobody has told you that they love you today, because love is such an essential in life. Permit me to be the very first to say that I love you and I like you and I like you and you matter. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to The Devil is a Lie, a production of the Live Podcast Network, an entity of DC Media Connection, engineered by Julio Gonzalez of Zymer.co, and music provided by Audio Vibes. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on social media at Alive Podcast Network. We hope that you enjoyed today's show and remember there is greatness within you. And if anybody tells you anything different, the devil is a lie. Until next time, be blessed. The devil is alive.